All right, everybody, welcome back to Speak Life. My name is Mark Mead, and I'm so excited that you guys join us every time we drop a new podcast. Today, we have a very, very special treat. I'm in studio with my wife, Robin Renee Mead. She is all things amazing. And just because I'm reading doesn't mean I don't know my wife, so don't judge me. She is, first and foremost, an encourager. Um, a giver, a great friend. She has a servant's heart, Robin. When I think of you, I think about, you know, you saying to God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want to send me? And you're like, your hands raised. Um, an educator. You serve and lead in our children's ministry at our church. And you are a mother of our two amazing kids, mm-hmm. Manny, well, Emmanuel and Juliana. BKA, Manny and Jules. Mm. And then you are my bride, the love of my life, or my bride of life. And um, it's really an honor to have you in here um, to go through some of your life and some of the things that you're doing to sow seeds daily, which you've been a seed sower since I've met you. So you've got quite the harvest and Mm. just getting started. So... If you can, for our viewers, for our audience, if you could, um, first off, how are you doing today? Baby? I'm doing great. It's a great day so far. Great day to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy looking across and seeing you right now. Oh, yeah. But um, you have a lot to offer, Robin, so I want to get into some things. Can you talk to us a little bit about your background? You know, some of your upbringing kind of where you where you built a lot of the characteristics that you have today. Okay, so yeah, my name is Robin Mead. Um, I grew up in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area. Um, went to school in Virginia. Um, met Mark right after I graduated. Uh, loved Jesus, loved serving, loved caring for people. Um, yeah, I love my kids. Our kids are amazing. Like he Mm. said, Manny and Jules, they're full of life. If you ever get to meet them or hang out with them, you'll have the best time ever. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's me. I just love caring for people, love being there, love encouraging. You know, uh, Mark said earlier that I've been sowing seeds for a while. I love the fact that you have a podcast on Speak Life. Hmm. That's all I've ever done through all my spheres of influence is speak life. Amen. Um, Yeah, I remember being a teacher and breaking that concept down to someone who didn't know God, like the power of life and death is in your tongue. She was like, what? (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) So it's good. It's good. I enjoy what I do. No doubt. Um, And you mentioned, obviously, you know, being an encourager, but. Where did you learn, like, do you think you were born with that? Do you think that's something that you kind of picked up as a child? Was there was there an event or something that took place that just made you have that outlook on life? Um, Sure. When I was young, I want to say out of my siblings and my cousins, we were all a close-knit, tight-knit group, um, but... 
funny enough, I was the sibling slash cousin that was teased a lot. Um, I just didn't like the way it felt. Um, so I had resolved that I was going to speak life to whoever I could because if someone had done the same for me, maybe I would have what maybe I wouldn't have made the decisions that I made at that at the times throughout my life. Mm. Um, so I find that encouragement goes a long way and people love to be encouraged. Do they ever? They love it. They love it. They love to be listened to. They love to be encouraged. They love to allow like light to be shined into their lives. And it allows you to have more intimate, close relationships with people instead of that fake, like pass two ships in the night passing by uh, kind of vibe with your friends. Encouragement brings you closer together. So, Robin, you know me. You know, I'm, I'm, um, you got the backdrop on Mark Mead. Yes. So I'm not, I've not always been. You know, you talk about speak life and, you know, you're excited that I we created this. Well, this was something that was spoken over me, as you know. Yeah. And it was like, I guess it was evolution and where I needed to go. Um, mandated by God. But this wasn't where my, my life was headed for a long period of time. And, you know, still I struggle with speak life in like my own head. Yeah. You know, Um so not only are we do we do this to encourage and to um, speak life, but like speak life for me, it's like, and just like whatever you struggle with, whatever your battle is, you better be doing that thing every day. You better be doing that thing every minute because it's coming for you regardless, you know? So you talk about encouraging and people need encouragement, and it's very true. I mean, and I think that's one of the things that we want to try to put forth on this podcast is encouragement, but through the interviews of others like yourself Mm -hmm. who have such a rich story to tell. So let's talk about it. You know, we talk about... um, I want to talk about Robin the Educator because Mm. this kind of... Fresh out of college. Yes. You know, you you got a job in teaching. That was after I met you, right? Yeah. Yeah, you got yep, that job. I was praying the for a summer. job <laughs> when we were dating. Yep. So let's let's go into that. Like, you know, where'd you go to school? Virginia State University. Okay. Um, for business marketing. Business and marketing. Yeah. Okay. And how did you get into teaching? Yeah, so um, my mother is an educator Mm -hmm. uh, my entire life. She educated for 35 years. Um, So I knew it was something that I was good at because I would go with her to the classroom, see the students, and it came natural to me, hanging with kids. Mm -hmm. But I also recognized that our upbringing didn't really um, yield us a lot of, like, financial joys. Um, so I was like, I want to go to school for business and make some money. And then possibly I'll go into the classroom to teach and give back for what I've learned. Mm. That was, that was the plan in my mind. Um, 
But then when I graduated, I prayed and I asked God to open the door that I'm supposed to go through, the one door I'm supposed to go through, mm-hmm. and close mm-hmm. all the other doors that I don't belong in. And I must have applied for 25 different marketing positions. One, I even went to like the fourth round interview, and it was, and they still told me no. And my mother's best friend was a vice principal at a Christian school in D.C., Washington, D.C., and she was like, I want Robin to be a teacher in my school, she would say to my mother. And I told her, no, I'm going to be a marketing business woman. And (laughs) she was like, well, I still want you to be here. And it was funny because when I came to myself, I recognized that God was answering the prayer that I had prayed, you know, leave the one door open and close all the others. And here, this teaching position was wide open for me. Uh, And so then began my education journey of life, which was wonderful. That's incredible. Uh, Again, that prayer is so you. Yeah. Because I know you. Um, But there weren't any other opportunities, right? No. No. <laughs> so your prayers were answered. Yes. And you got into education. Now, how did you view that? Because your mom was an educator for 35 years. Did you feel natural there? Or did you feel out of place? Like, when did this start becoming something that was becoming of you? Mm. Yeah, day one, it was day natural one. for me. It's, it's like you and cooking, like, you love it. It just, the seasonings, the flavors, you're like, yes, you are in your element, right? With your saucepans and you're moving. And every single time you cook, you get that fire. And that's what it was for me with education. Um, designing the classroom, coming up with strategies for the children, difficult or non-difficult, whatever the challenge came, I was excited about it. Um, so... Midway through my first year, I'm like, wow, God, you knew exactly where you wanted me to be. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Wow. I never knew that. I never knew it was a natural fit from day one. Mm -hmm. You know, but you are an amazing educator. And you have a great way of, like, breaking things down. And now education has followed you. Yeah. You know, through all throughout all your life. Was there a time when you were younger where you saw that? You saw 22 years old in a classroom or 22, year old, 22 years old with kids? Like, was there a time when you were doing that? Were you doing that in any phase of your life, in any of the jobs you had or in, in, in um, college? Were you giving time to kids? No. I had resolved in my mind, again, that I wanted to be a, a businesswoman. I did not want to be in the classroom. Everything before um, in college, yeah, nothing had to do with that. It was like random jobs. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, you know, I, I I meet young people all the time and they say, I, I don't know my purpose. I don't know if I should go to college because I don't even know where I'm going to be. Like, I don't know if I want to do that for the rest of my life. And I found that uh, life is a journey, you know. The things you learn in one position helps you in the things that you are in the next position. So my 11 years teaching propelled so many other things in my life. Uh, so as those odd jobs before teaching, it all taught me something. 
No doubt. Grow. Yeah. And when you view children, because yep. you work with them a lot, even now, and not just our kids, but when you view children, how yes. do you view them? How do you view their ability um, to, to, to take shape in this world? Hmm. Good question. I I view them as just that, like um, like uh, uh, clay, ready to be molded, or sponges that are ready to absorb things. You know, um, I I believe that if we can allow children to see their potential, that they can do anything, and there goes the speak life. That was one of the main things I love to do in the kids that I taught, because I taught in the urban school district where hope was like really low. Um, and they would see their grandmother being the kitchen, um, the cafeteria lady, and say, well, maybe one day I can be a cafeteria lady. And for me, it was like, well, you could be, like, the whole world is your oyster. You could do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I looked at the children, I just wanted them to know that the possibilities were endless for their life. You know, if somebody was a good writer, I'd be like, oh, my goodness, there's jobs out there. Journal- you could be a journalist. You could be this, that, and third. And they would get all excited, you know, about their future. So, yeah, they were just clay. And I was just helping to mold them. Yeah, I remember one year, I think you did, like, this this college theme. Yeah. This Ivy League college theme. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? About, maybe you did it every year, but I remember it. So I distinctly remember it one year. Can you explain a little bit about that and what you were trying to? Those were seeds you were sowing then, too. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, there's something about us. Uh, um, and planting seeds in the children young and exposing them to as much as they can be exposed to. You know, I think about the Cosby show. He used to wear the different college sweatshirts all the time and promoted them with the children. And these children, they don't, they don't really talk about college that much. Their families are not talking about college at all. So, like, why not talk about it? So I named You're the table. About, like inner city. Inner you city did a lot kids. of inner city. Yes. Educating. Urban education yeah Mm -hmm. and so I would name the tables after Tennessee or Alabama or something like that and then they would get them used to the language of universities and then they would have questions like well what does this university teach or what do they you know and then we could go deep on different topics that they wouldn't normally connect with so nice just instilling that belief um you know, we talk about children, and now let's insert our wonderful kids, Manny and Jules, um, you know, watching their development. I mean, it is just wild. But I want to hear your take on it and just, you know, the seeds we're sowing in our home, the seeds we're sowing in their lives outside of our home, because that's a big, as you, as we see now, that's huge. Um, but you're at the forefront of it and you're the definition of speak life when it, when it comes to our home and our kids, I'd love to know how you view your role as a mother. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think about the very beginning, you know, when Manny was a baby and we had him in the car seat driving to North Carolina 
for an insurance conference. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we had baby Manny in the back. <laughs> I could go to Vegas success. <laughs> I got my baby. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, I can remember. He's trying um, to make it. Yeah, we were. God is good. Um, mm. I remember Manny being all upset and whiny because it was a long ride. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to him like he was six or seven. Mm-hmm. And I remember you noticing that because to me it was just something natural to do. I was like, it's okay, Emmanuel. We're going to make it. We're going to make it to North Carolina. Okay. You're going to sit in your car seat. It's going to be okay. And I remember Mark acknowledging the fact that that's not normal. Like people don't normally talk to their children on that level as a baby. It's usually like, goochie, goochie, goo, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, but setting that expectation has elevated our children, I think, along the way where we never expected little from them, but we always expected greatness from them um, in their conversations, in their response to us, in their ability to think and manipulate their ideas and the things before them. So I really enjoy parenting, especially this season, mm. them being eight and 10. Mm-hmm. They're absorbing so much. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I always reflect on that, you know, when you um, were talking to Emmanuel, like straight talk, like he was eight years old. And I'd be like, what is wrong with you? It's almost like, what's wrong with you? Like, there's no way he understands this. Right. Like, what do you, why don't we just like tear it down like five notches? (laughs) And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, does it even matter? He's a baby. Yeah. And it did matter. Very much mattered. um, Because they are forming at that age. Now, again, that's my ignorance, but I, in what you did, And I didn't challenge you on it. I just questioned it maybe once or twice. But what you did with that, once I saw the, when they were able to respond, the response levels and the speed of the response, it's because of what they've been hearing. And again, when you're a new parent, father, mother, there's a bunch of stuff you don't know. Yeah. But, did someone tell you to do that? Was that just your intuition or was that just how you? Just instinct. Instincts. Mm-hmm. And it's like I saw the response rate. Like I saw the quick twitch. I saw the um, the comprehensiveness mm-hmm. in their brains at two, two and a half, three. Well, really at Manny. He was the, he was the, the lab rat, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. And it was like once I saw that I was like, oh, this I get it. Like this may, totally makes sense. And I, and then I, I paralleled it to my world in insurance, where I'm talking to new agents about reaching for the, the, the sky early. Like don't we're not going to take these baby steps, you know? We're we're going to skip the baby steps. Mm. You're going to just kind of walk through life, and we're going to get knocked around. And the school of hard knocks is going to get you to where you need to be faster. Not all this cocooning and and bubble wrap deal. Makes sense? Mm. And I saw that in the way you communicated with our children. And that was that's forever etched in my brain. You know, um, parenting had, has its different stages. You no know, 
you know, it has its different stages. You know, we, you know, had gone through the pandemic with the um, homeschooling um, where we had to teach the curriculum from home. And then we went into that next school year and we pulled the kids out of the curriculum, you know, so that you could teach them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that season. Like having the kids at home, homeschooling them from a curriculum you chose, you know, how empowering was that? Like what, what did that do for you as a mom and even your relationship with the kids? Yeah, that was an absolute privilege Whew. that I got to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a mom's group at church. And I remember having a conversation with some of the moms and they were beating themselves up because they would look on Instagram and see their friends doing all these different things with their careers. And they were like, and I'm just here with my kids. And I remember another mom saying, there's so many moms who would love the opportunity to be home with their kids, that privilege to spend this time with them. And uh, I think that's where my heart was, that I got to spend this time with them. Their time, time is like going through our hands like, water I mean we can't hold on to a second you know you blink my baby was here and then I blink and he's like hey mom yo what's up bro this is (laughs) spaghetti is bussing I'm like okay (laughs) um but I get to learn them you know they're amazing and um homeschooling them was next level because there was no separation time it was always together so I just learned to be their mom, but to be their friends, mm. to be in community and to enjoy the time, you know, to enjoy the time. And I remember the first getaway that we got to take as a family with them being homeschooled. Normally, I would be on vacation. I'd be like, oh, I, you guys want to go to kids club? You know, I could go to the spa. But I was really excited to be in the pool with them to enjoy because I had grown such a close bond with them. Yeah. No doubt. You know, yeah, I mean, I remember you talking about their acceleration and their learning. And, like, we took them out of the school because we didn't want to, we didn't want them not to conform to the speed of the, 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 the lowest common denominator. Yeah. You know, whoever the kid is that struggled the most or what have you. So they could speed and accelerate. And you, one of the things you point out to me is how, much you could teach because if they if they're going they're going you know like they can go as far as that as their brain will take them yeah and they can accelerate from one grade to another grade with the time with you and even in, into two grades if if there's enough time because of because we don't have to hold back on their mind and on their mental mm-hmm. I feel like we've done that as parents just in general like you know with sports and activities and exposure and now Manny's playing the saxophone, started out with the violin. And it's like, you know, <laughs> you see all this and it's just like, you know, what is one of your greatest joys as a mom? Mm. My greatest joys as a mom is to see the children grow in our family values. You know, I think that we've established from the front that we wanted to be a family of generosity and giving and caring for others. Um, And to see that being worked out in the children's lives on their own is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, 
um, this couple Sundays ago, Emmanuel was in a competition at church, and you could win a prize, you know. And the prize was a gift card. And he gave it all his heart. He did his effort. Excuse me. And then there was another child who did just as much, was short, just a little bit. Manny got the gift card. The other child was crushed. But Manny was mm. like, you know what? Here, you take the gift card. And I wasn't even there. Like, I wasn't even, you weren't even there. Right. Like, we weren't like, hey, dude, you see this kid? Try to hook him up, you know? Yeah. But that was his natural instinct because those are the things that we've put inside of them. Um, so if I could look back and say that's what I'm most proud of, it would be those moments where the children walk out the very things that we've been teaching them from day one. That's amazing. And the way the kid's dad tells it is that the kid was like, no, 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 you keep it, you won. And Manny was like, no, 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 you have it. Yeah. And then the kid said, no, you have it. And then Manny held it and then found his mother, the kid's mother, and gave it to the mom what? for the kid to take home. I didn't even and know that's that. when his dad, yeah, that's when, um, you know, um, his dad came to me and said, I can't believe, like, that's just un unbelievable, you know? Mm. So, and he even tracked me down at church last weekend and said that to me. So that's incredible, you know, but I agree. I think that's pretty awesome to watch that, you know, unfold and just see where they're going. And, you know, that's the greatest wonder to me is like where they're going. Mm. And it's just so unknown, but you see some of it. You see some of it. You really do. But you just never know what they're going to do with the gifts that they have, you know? Yeah. So that's a great unknown. Um, my bride, you hey. know, you know, we've, we're going on 14 years, you know, this November. Um, ups, sideways, valleys, down. So we've been through some things, obviously, yeah. and uh, not perfect, but we're madly in love with each other and have a great marriage. When you think about marriage and you think about some of the things that we've kind of clung to or held on to, um, what are some things that come to mind for you? Um, when it comes to our marriage, what we have held on to and clung to that has gotten us here to 14 years, I would say it's community. Mm -hmm. Community was a big help throughout our marriage. Break that down. We never wanted to be on an island by ourselves, silent, burning within. We've never been afraid to reach out to get help. We've mm. never assumed that we have all the answers and then coming up short because guess what? Nobody has all the answers. So I love that from the beginning, we were always like, hey, can we talk with you guys? We admire you guys. And I think we've done that in so many areas, not just with our marriage, but like with business and in, in community, all the things. Like if we wanted to be good parents, then we reached out to somebody who had done it before to kind of help us on the parenting journey. But marriage in that same way, like just reaching out, being plugged in community, Someone wiser than us helping us in the situation that we've already been in mm -hmm. um, or the situation that we're currently in. Um, that wisdom has been everything in terms of carrying us from season 
to season throughout a marriage. Mm -hmm. How much does communication play a role in marriage or how much, how much has communication played a role in our marriage? It's an obvious question, but you know, Communication in marriage is obvious. Communication in our marriage is not as obvious. But I want you to speak about communication and what it actually, the importance and significance of it. The biggest thing that I think that has helped shape our communication is the five love languages by Gary Chapman. And it helped us to understand that literally two people could be in relationship together, but I could be speaking to you in Chinese and then you could be speaking to me in Portuguese and we're, like, really confused. Like, why don't you understand me? Mm. But people love and receive love in different forms. Mm. And I think that that has helped our communication tremendously. Mm. Some words of affirmation and your acts of service. Mm -hmm. There's so many other get, um, ways of loving people, like gifts and, and uh, physical touch. And there's one more. Um, quality time. Quality time. Well, for me, it's words of affirmation. So as soon as you figured out that you needed to speak. Whoa. Well, it was a while. It was a process I to know, get there. But you, I you, what's your sub? I what's your sub? Love language. Quality time? Yes. Well, you're saying it like you don't know. Well, I never thought it was. I, was consider, I wasn't considering myself as having a but sub. Do you remember when we first read the book? Yes. And you told me quality time was your was. number one love language? I thought it was. Do you remember that? Yes. And I'm spending time <laughs> with you, and I'm like, we ain't going, like, nothing's moved. The needle has not moved. <laughs> you got that and then same I was like, Talk blank to me. stare. <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> once, and I was like, but wait a minute. But when I start, like, whispering sweet nothings, or I start saying, you know, these buttery words of affirmation, you light up. Yeah. And then I, did you reread or did you automatically go, you're right? I think you've like. I think automatically said I was Yeah, because right. it was like, yo, I think you're this. And I think we were looking at the book and I think I said, I think you're this one. Mm. And he was like, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but that aha moment, mm -hmm. was that not a game changer? Game changer. Why? Because whenever we hit bumps in the road, we weren't at a deficit for each other. We knew exactly what we needed to do to get right to the heart of the person. Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. So all you needed to do was make time to say something really kind about whatever I was going through or acknowledging what I was going through. You know, you send me flowers. But the favorite part for me was the card on the flower mm -hmm. that meant the world you're, you're writing. Mm -hmm. um, and that has helped our communication tremendously. Tremendously. I think it opens doors for peace and it lets go of the fences. You can't hold on to a fence when somebody's touching your heart in that way. No doubt. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Um, people dating. Yep. Or people young and married, a year, two years married. What's What advice would you give them? Well, I guess it's two separate things. Yeah. Dating is just a whole, it's a, it's it's a, a whole, beast. It, well, it's a whole jump to marriage. Yes. And then married one or two years. I guess it's two different things. So let's let's break it down. Let's go young young and married. Mm -hmm. What would you say to a young married couple about navigating life seasons and challenges? Sure. Young married couple, 
I would say um, manage your expectations. That's a big thing. Um, when you get into your marriage, all your life that you've spent um, with your family is completely different from the way that they've spent with their family. So if I've seen, you know, my dad doing handiwork or he can work on a car or, you know, he does all the things. When I get into marriage, I automatically expect my husband to do all those things. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be handy. He's going <laughs> to fix the cabinet. Mm-hmm. But that might not have been what he saw in his upbringing and so forth and so on. He could have seen his mother cook three meals a day. And then, you know, we get married and his expectation is like, why aren't you cooking for me? You know, but that's Mm. what he's seen. Mm. So it's good to sit down to talk about your expectations with each other and maybe even redefining what the roles look like for you guys. That's really good. Mm. Um, I appreciate that. You know, when, you know, you've navigated, you've had to navigate. You know, we've talked about this many years, even and when we first met. One of the sweetest things about you is that voice, you know, that tone and just, you know, it's so soft and soothing and people very easy and people, it's very easily delivered. But mm-hmm. it's also had its its flip side, right? It's had its, it's been misconstrued, right? Can you talk a little bit about that and how you have learned to navigate that? Yeah, so tiny but mighty, right? (laughs) And the voice can make you think that you're tiny or the people around you that you're tiny, but there is, you know, there is so much inside of me Mm -hmm. uh, that that God is doing, I believe is going to do. Um, And so I usually just move forward in purpose I don't get caught up or wrapped up in the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember back in education when I moved to New Jersey, mm-hmm. I was looking for a job. And uh, and they one particular school did not take me because they said my voice was too soft. That's crazy. And it in the past, city. it was inner city. Yeah. Inner city mm-hmm. And I had taught in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. and in Patterson. Mm-hmm. But yet this district was too, they told me it was too urban, urban. For, for me. Um, and in all settings, I've seen such great success with the children. And I think that goes back to speaking life. Like, um, what's that phrase that says, they don't care what you know until you know, they know, until how, they much know you how much you care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what I prided myself on with the children. It's just caring for them, loving for them, being there with them on their level. And then next thing you know, oh, you care about me. Then they're willing to do so much. They're willing to be able to grow. Right. Because like you said, when the homeschooling happened, I could do so much right. in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But I could do so much if you're connected with me and you can hear me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. haven't blocked me out. Right. Um, so, yeah, I remember sitting with you and you coaching me through the interviewing process mm-hmm. and me having to put that out there. Like, hey, I know my voice sounds like I right. can't command a classroom, <laughs> but the truth is I have done it and I will do it. And, um, and I can do great things in your school. So that's interesting. Do you remember being nominated rock candy? You named me that, you know, sweet on the outside, 
hard in the middle. That's what people need to understand. And I think, I think your work over, you know, a decade and a half has 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 shown that, mm. you know. And I don't think anyone <laughs> anymore deals with that with you because it's like, you know, you you um, your gifts have gone before you. It's mm-hmm. it's you you know you you've 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 established, you know, yourself in all these different areas. Um, you're a community leader. Um, you you know serve and lead the children's ministry at the church and you've had the opportunity to even minister the word mm. and get up on the pulpit and, and speak to God's people on a Sunday. You know, what is happening in your world with, uh, with ministry and just the way it's kind of shaping right now and kind of swirling. If I see it, it looks fast and furious. Mm. It might be calm to you. I don't mm. know. Mm. But the way I see it, it looks like, like God just took you and said, Shh. but I know it didn't happen like that because we, we've, <laughs> we've seen every season, but that's the way it feels right now. And it's just, you're flourishing. Can you talk a little bit about this season that you're currently in? Yeah. So in 2020, the world shut down and then it slowly began to open up and it was our no, it was in the summer. It was my birthday. We got to get away for my birthday. Um, and we were near some mountains. And I remember praying um, about the next steps. You know, as things started to open up, like, how did you? How do you want to use me, God? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got this moment where I thought, I'm going to be faithful with what God puts in my hands. Mm-hmm. So if you put it in my hands, God, I'm going to be faithful with it. And I think from that moment to today is where this whirlwind of effect has come in. Because whenever something was put in my hands, I said, okay, I can be faithful. And the thing about being faithful is crazy because you hear it being used all the time. Like, oh, I can love people. I can care for people. I can, you know, she's so loving. She's so caring. She's so faithful. You know, it just sounds like a nice word. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I looked it up, it, it meant being steadfast, being loyal, um, having fortitude, like sticking it out even when it gets hard. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I can be faithful with what you put in my hands no matter how hard it gets. I trust you, God. Um, and so then I was like, okay, the kids' program is opening. I'm going to start serving. I'm not going to be scared to be around people because of COVID. Um, and I'm not diminishing people being sick by mm-hmm. any means. Um, but I was like, I want to be available for those people who wanted to go to church, but wouldn't if they couldn't bring their kids. Um, and then the opportunity came available for me to lead the kids program. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to be faithful with what you put in my hands. You lead me and then I'm going to do the thing and mm. it's going to be good because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're with me, you know? Mm. Um, and so then I'm teaching the children constantly, teaching the children new concepts, speaking, and having conversations and encouraging people, you know, mm. even when I would speak to some of the leadership in our church, I would just be encouraging no matter mm. the situation or what we were going through, encouraging God has got us, you know, and then it it opened up for the opportunity for me to be able to speak to the whole church, which intimidated me initially. Huh. But um, but again, I was like, I'm going to be faithful with what you put in my hand. 
I remember a good friend of mine said to me, Robin, you know, you, you, you speak to people all the time. You know, you encourage people with the word all the time at the kids ministry, at the kids Bible study we have Mm -hmm. um, where we bring all Mm -hmm. the kids in the neighborhood together to teach Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. She was like, in our ladies group, you're speaking to people. So when you get up there, it's no, it's no different from what you're doing on a regular everyday basis. You're Mm -hmm. speaking life. You're encouraging people. Mm-hmm. You're just going to get up on stage and encourage people. Wow. And so with the simplicity of that, I felt like I could move forward in purpose because somebody in the audience needed to hear something empowering, mm. something Amen. uplifting. Mm. Um, and so then I found peace in that. So there's a journey. You're incredible. Just being faithful. Just letting you know. <laughs> See the words of affirmation I threw in there. You threw it in there. I caught it. Take note, man. <laughs> So you talk about faithful and I, 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 I look at you and you're like the rock of faith, you know, in our home and just, you know, in my life and just what I know I can count on, you know, when this, when the storms of life are just wreaking havoc or, mm-hmm. you know, there's seasons where I got to get under the bunker or what have you. And, you know, I've seen you do that with so many people. I especially see you do seen you do that with me and with the kids. And I just wanna commend you, you know, for your faith and, you know, what you bring to the table for so many people in that regard. Because you're like you hear the news and it's not like it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's like God's gonna make a way. God's gonna do something with the news and it's kinda like you just you just speak life like you just go you go in, and then when people try to turn you, they can't do it. <laughs> You're just gonna keep going in and keep speaking life, and it's just like it's incredible, you know, mm-hmm. to watch and to have watched for years and years and years and years, and it's good old faithful. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best way to put it. It's it's I can trust in it. I can have faith in it. I can have. You know, I can depend on it, you yeah. know, and that's a great, that's a great place for someone like me with a wife like you. So mm. I just wanted you to hear that from me. Awesome. So with that, you know, that faith that you have, that rock that you stand on, your belief in the Lord and his ability to take care of you, us, the family, the people around you, you know, um, you know, what are some, what are some seasons that have kind of rocked you what are some some darker um times for you where you've been in the valley and you've been trying to fight your way through the valley to get back to a place of um i want to say normalcy but out of the valley Mm. that's a good question um because we all have valleys we Mm -hmm. all have dark seasons Mm um i have taken on the mindset that when I face hard times is to teach me something. Amen. I'm not looking to see who's to blame. I'm not looking to complain. I'm not looking to say or to go into a corner and ball up and cry. Mm-hmm. I am looking to see what can I learn out of the situation. Because when we go through problems, you don't get stronger Unless you go through problems. Right. If everything was perfect, right. cotton candy, roses, 
I mean, what is changing on the inside of you? Mm. What's challenging you to change your character? What's refining you, so to speak? Mm-hmm. It's the troubles in life that teaches you something. So my mind automatically goes into like a default mode. And I ask myself or I ask God, what are you teaching me in this season? And the quicker I can learn that thing, the quicker I move forward. Mm. A lot of times people are going through things and they're like, I'm dating the same bad guy. Or I'm going through the same <laughs> the same thing that happened to work over here was at the last job. You know, because you're supposed to be learning and growing. Right. And so you learn that lesson. Goodness yeah. gracious, you're not going to find the man of your dreams or you're not going to find your dream job. Most of the time it's what what is supposed to be done in you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so because I know that that's the theme of my life, mm. I'm, in, I'm in education, I'm being overlooked, people are picking other people for promotions, they're not looking at me. God was teaching me then how to be a servant leader mm. and how to lead from behind. Mm. And then I was able to do that in every other sphere moving forward without like looking at people or judging people or, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and everything that we've been through in our lives to go from a hundred plus thousand dollars in debt to where we are now, like every step taught us something mm-hmm. and changed who we were on the inside for the mm. better. Um, so yeah, when I look at trials, that's what I see an opportunity. Yeah, man. Like I agree with that a hundred percent, but it didn't start that way. No, you know, it started like, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of tears. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why am I being dealt this? You know, mm-hmm. how did it start for you? How did you gain that mindset? How did you, how did life teach you that mindset? Um, crying about it wasn't helping me. <laughs> crying about it wasn't moving me forward. It just left me sad. Mm. So I'm, I am, um, I think of myself kind of like uh, Transformers, you know, how mm-hmm. they. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly moving to see how, you know, if this is not working, I don't repeat it. Mm-hmm. I don't get in a jam and go click, 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 mm-hmm. click, click. No, I'm like, well, there's something else that I could be doing mm-hmm. um, that'll get me there. So I, I couldn't cry for so long. Mm. And then that out of that saying I can't cry anymore came the question, what are you teaching me in this moment? Mm. And um, and that shifted my my frame of mind, and I moved forward with that ever since. That's strong. I see it. Now, you never said this to me, but I see that day to day. And I that's one of the great joys that I, I get to. That's a privilege of being married to Robin Renee Mead is the – is this ability for you to continue to move forward in everything and like find ways to course correct. It's incredible. It's such a gift. It's such a blessing. And I heard Stephen Furtick say, he said something about, Hey, when people, he said, someone asked him a question, how do you avoid such and such in your marriage? Or how do you, how do you, let's just say he said, avoid arguments in your marriage. You go, marry Holly. (laughs) <laughs> like Mary Holly Furtick. That's how. And I feel that way sometimes with you, Robin. It's like some of these answers are like, Robin, she's the common denominator. Robin. Mm. Like, what do you want? Robin. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, that's a blessing, and I appreciate you for that. I don't want it to come off like you're perfect mm. or we're perfect. We're f- far from perfect, and, 
you know, we all, we got our problems and our issues and we deal with it and we evolve, but we adapt and we grow. Mm. Um, what harvest are you believing for in the seasons or season to come? Right. So as I operate right now, planting seeds, I'm considering when I am 85 years old and I look back on my life, what would have been the most important? And that has shifted for me what's important and where I need to focus and where I need to plant seeds. Hmm. Because everything is not the things that we think are so important right now. You know, if you imagine yourself at 85 and you look back, you're like, that was nothing. Mm. You know, that was nothing. So I'm not trying to get caught up in all the trivial things, but focus on the things, planning the right things in our kids, planning the right thing in our parent and in our parenting and in our marriage. So when we're 85 and we have great grandkids, they're exemplifying the same things that we lived out right now. Mm. You know what I mean? So that means the world to me when prioritizing my time mm. and what's worth it. Where should I be investing my time? Where should I be? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's we spoke a lot about developing their character, but we're also like developing our life with purpose for legacy. Mm. You know, um, Mark and I uh, grew up with families that were not financially stable or cognizant of how to grow financially and we prided ourselves like we're going to have a legacy of financial freedom moving forward so when we are 85 we look back we have kids who are taking care of themselves they have financial sense they're Mm -hmm. managing their money correctly you know all these things matter to us and um yeah i would say looking back when we're 85 what's really going to matter you know, that, that's the focus for me. Having children who love God, who have a servant's heart, who focus on generosity, um, and is able to take care of themselves. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. First of many, I'm sure, uh-uh. Robin Mead, speak life, baby. Do it. Sowing seeds today for tomorrow's harvest. Thank you for listening. I can't wait to have you back, Robin. I feel like we, we're just getting, you know, we're just cracking open your story. And, like, there's a lot I think you can offer to our guests that are listening and looking for, you know, the seeds of today for tomorrow's harvest. So thank you so much, baby, for jumping on with me, coming in studio, and us doing this thing. If It looks natural on you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Peace.